Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Come on for picture, first positions, everyone. Yo, go. And action! Hello and welcome to episode 357 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films to high-end TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally F them up in a very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm Dominic Watt. We are both writer, directors and producers. And on today's show, we have the fantastic director and producer, Mark Jobst. And what a good Jobst he did too. <laughs> he did. He was fantastic. It was a joy to chat to him, not only about his brand new TV series, One Piece, but also about his career. Going mm. back to him, how he first started, how he got into uh, making TV all the way from making TV shows like EastEnders. Through his crusade to bigger things. Indeed. So what do we talk to him about on this week's episode, Dom? We talked about the difference between directing UK and US TV shows and how those different structures and hierarchies work. We talked about fitting into the system and why you should watch other directors work. We talked about being prepared to be fired, i.e. be prepared to walk away from a job and how can you be free in the moment we also talked about having the conviction to fight for a long and challenging set piece when there was overwhelming pressure against him not being a jobs worth you could say nice we also discussed why he uses the term being a parachute to explain building trust amongst the team he tells you about working with netflix and marvel how he spoke to them and how he got the jobs and how having a story vision is vitally important. Mm. So Mark Jobs, if you don't know, he's um, he's just had a brilliant career as a director. You mm. know, his credits go way back. Um, yep. Let's list some of them, shall we, for you. EastEnders, The North Face, Casualty, Sorted, Inspector Lewis, Waterloo Road, Lark Rise to Candleford, Criminal Justice, Sleep With Me. That's a question. No. <laughs> okay. Waking the Dead, Case Histories, Upstairs, Downstairs, The Paradise, Silk, The Musketeers, Hannibal, Hemlock Grove, Black Sails, Tin Star, The Punisher, Runaways, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Berlin Station, The Witcher, Jupiter's Legacy, and One Piece. 
so it's on Netflix now. Do go watch and support. It's called One Piece. Uh, you've probably seen it advertised everywhere. It's a fantasy adventure comedy drama television series uh, developed by Matt Owens and Steve Maeda for Netflix. Adapted from the manga series of the same name, One Piece. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right? You're saying, well, my, um, my sound effects, I hope. Yes, it was very good. It was yeah. very impressive, actually. Yeah. Have you been practicing? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Oh, okay, okay. It's good because you know, it's nice. I really yeah. just want to know that. To yeah. See the improvement. Yes. You know yes. the growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, about, it's all about improvement. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even connect that to what we're saying. Um, and Mark just said, like, that, "Just like, like <laughs> Mark Jobs." Learn through the practice of all those jobs that we just listed off. There we There's go. always a connecting thread. There no always how stupid is. the joke. I want a segue. <laughs> That's coming up for you on this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. In case you didn't know the title when you were clicking on the link, which is some people might not. Podcast. They might yeah. have come here because of Mark, the amazing Mark, yeah. and yeah. they just clicked on it and went, "What is it? Uh, the Filmmakers Podcast, 350-odd mm. episodes, yeah. all about filmmaking. You dropped, that. You dropped that statistic on someone uh, in a podcast that we recorded today. I that did, I did, but yeah. I, I will probably cut it out because yeah. I just wanted them to I, know. I hope you do, because it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. That is the sad thing. But if you want to listen to us two idiots and learn from amazing guests, and many other idiots. About, <laughs> and many other idiots. <laughs> talking about screenwriting. Type in screenwriting on the filmmakerspodcast.com. Or if you just want producing, type that in. Or editing, type that in. VFX, mm. it's all there for you on how you can go out there and make your films and TV shows. Or just our names. Or just search our names, because our names are on every episode. And you can then listen to the every silliest episodes. <laughs> Without uh, fail. I don't know if that's ever been said on the Filmmakers Podcast before. Mm. Um, Filmmakers Podcast. Think. Yeah, uh, by the way, the uh, shout outs. We're doing some shout outs. Joseph Milson um, is doing his Kickstarter campaign right now for his uh, feature film. It's his first feature film he's making for Signs of Life, his latest Kickstarter film now. Um, this is brilliant. This is fantastic. Do get involved. I've already backed this project. This is a, a heart-stopping drama with a mm. side order of romantic comedy. A uh, link to that is in the show notes. Gudo, do go support uh, Joseph and his ace. Technical dream go? No. No, no. His ace film, Signs of Life. Um, also, Boland Shoes is out on the 15th of this month, literally a week's time. They will be on the podcast, Terry Dwyer and director Ian Paulson davies next week, all being well. All Which will be wow. terrific, as I like it to say. It will be. Have you got any other Terry-type um, terry Terry-time um, territories. Which, yep. which territories is it out? Well, it's out in cinemas uh, the 15th of September. Link UK to that territory. is in the show notes. Starring Tim mm. Spall, Leanne and Best. Dwy- and Dwyer not. And Dwyer not. Well done. So, do you want to learn how to finish your feature film? The post-production demystified Zoom course that we did for producers and directors is now available online. It's only $33 as well. So it's an absolute steal because we're going to details about what you should do in post-production. 
how you go about it. Um, it's done from a director-producer point of view. It's also done from an editor point of view and a post-production supervisor point of view. All the paperwork, everything you need to create, to collect and create, ready so, so that you can deliver it all alongside the finished film. We're going to massive detail about that. If you're interested? Right now, it's thirty-three dollars um, uh, online, but that's only lasting for September. So just for September, it's thirty-three dollars. Um, after that, the price will go up. So get on it now. Link to that is in the show notes. It's an absolute deal. How you can learn to finish your feature film. There we go. So let's get to it. This is the episode with Mark Jobs. Sit back, relax, learn, get a pen, paper, and enjoy. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, Mark. Hello. I think it's fantastic what you guys do. I really support it. That's great. It's so important that we we share our knowledge and experience and lack of knowledge and lack of experience because mm. it's certainly – I wish I'd had that when I started filmmaking, you know, rather than yeah. just yes. literally on the job and every little extra job you do, you dare a little bit more. Um, mm. so, so I think it's fantastic what you guys do. I really support it. Oh, great. Thank you. That's the reason we started this because it was like, yeah, I, we never had it when we started. So <laughs> yeah. we were like, yeah, this is useful, not just for us, but for everyone yeah, else. And, and you know, in the film business, it's really hard to find mentors because actually mm. everybody is yeah. kind of chasing the work. And there are very few people who are A, generous enough, uh, B, you know, confident in their career enough um and and see at the at, at, at when they get to that stage in their career where they can share information they're usually knackered <laughs> mm, it's so true reading other scripts for people or getting but it is very hard so people find it very difficult to do so mm. yeah or just the time or they're trying to find work themselves so yeah, yeah. totally we, totally we understand. don't often see other directors work you know um yeah you know it's not it's not like it's easy to shadow another director because so much goes on in a director's head and so much goes on off set. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and so it's quite a difficult thing to do. And, you know, one of the interesting things about going into shows, you know, as a director coming in, it's partly why when I started out working in America, I was really happy just to do episodic work is because I just wanted to get in and and you you might be able to see the director for a few days who is working before you. Mm. And then as the, the new director comes in, you would sit around tables from time to time to pass over you know what you've been doing in your episodes and so mm. um it was a, it was a great way for me to kind of gauge and calibrate a little bit what was going on in america and how different it was to to, to directing in the uk mm. I suppose that's almost like a doctor that uh is passing over like the night shift to the, the day shift like you, you sort of you know you're you're in it for your very intense period of time and you've got to then translate what you know what's been done before and then you know, apply your own sort of knowledge to it. So it's a it's an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting and, system and that you have to try and play catch up and fit into. Did Did you find it difficult, sort of immersing yourself into that? Not really. Um, I think by then, you know, I'd had quite a lot of experience already. Um, yeah, and it was really interesting for me because the journey to America was kind of unexpected. I hadn't particularly, you know, beaten that path. And mm. my agent had always said to me something really wise, which I share with everybody, you know, never go to America with your hand up saying, mm. look, look at me. Um, I I'm here, you know, only ever go to America when they, when they ask for you. 
That's great advice. Yeah. Because a lot of people go over going, hey, right, I'm here. Who wants me? And like, Americans, yeah, it's like, no, no, get them to call you over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, really good question. You know, I mean, who called you over? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, who was it? Let's go uh, do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it came at, well, look, you know, I, I, I've had the same agent for a very long time and we know each other very well, Josh Varney at 42. And he was, mm. you know, we were at the Independent together. I used to be ICM and then Independent. Gosh, and then yeah. he he broke away to create his own agency, 42. Um, and I think it just happened that I was, you know, and so he, look, he, 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 he's ambitious. And when he set up 42, he, he, he only, only kept those artists that he felt like he really wanted to work with. Um, hmm. And I was lucky that he, I was one of them. And, um, and I think, so he, I think he does quite a lot of preparing of the ground, but then I was shooting the Musketeers over in Prague. Mm-hmm. Seeing yeah. a call from an agency in LA who just said, you know, we'd like to represent you. And we had a chat on the phone and I said, great, you know, um, we, we should, we should meet, shouldn't we? And they said, no, it's fine. You know, we love your work, you know, and I'm, uh, and I'm mm. a guy who likes to be in a room with people, you know? So I said, yeah. if it's all right with you, I'm going to come over and just, you know, sit in a room together and chat and see whether, you know, we can make some chemistry together. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I did. And, you know, it was that bizarre journey where, you know, on the on the coach, I was on the coach to Heathrow <laughs> to get on this kind of bucket class. A one pound one, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Mega bus. Mega yeah. bus. I was crushed up against crushed it. like this, you know. And, Suitcases. Um, I got a text from a, a producer friend of mine called Steve Lightfoot, who I'd worked with on several films in the UK, mm. and he was joint showrunner of a show called Hannibal over in in um, yes in Fantastic America. Mm. And, mm. Um, I just got a text out of the blue on the coach going down saying, you know, would I be interested in shooting an episode of Hannibal? Um, I didn't wow. know it at all. So I just said, yes, yeah. it was Steve. Um, <laughs> kill, you'd kill for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I exactly, know that yeah. I'd kill for it. You know, I just thought yeah. Hannibal really That's pretty dark, isn't it? Do I want to do that? But it was mm. Steve and I love Steve and I'm godfather to his children and, and all the rest of it. And so I said, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, he said, you know, but Brian Fuller, who was the showrunner of the show, said you, you, you might you you might want to meet him. He might want to meet you before before you know deciding it. So when you arrive in LA, we'll set that up. And then I arrived mm-hmm. in LA, and you know the text came around saying, you know, he's seen your work, he's happy. Can you fly straight out to Toronto? Um, and oh, wow. um, you know, so that's sort of how it started, really. And and you know, and so I flew out to Toronto. Um, <laughs> First class in a you know a totally different kind of ball game from a mega bus yeah. to first class mega one pound is. to first. <laughs> and the weird thing is, it kind of frightened me even more. You know, um, mm. I, I know mega bus and I know bucket class, but but first class was like, oh my god, this is really quite serious, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah you get looked now after. You've made it all of a sudden. <laughs> Suddenly, it's like, oh god, the pressure's on. They're going to find yeah. me out. They're going to find me out. Isn't that always the case? And was the mm. pressure on? Did you feel that way a little bit? Because jumping into an American TV show is very different from UK TV shows. And we have talked about it on the podcast before, but it'd be fascinating to hear that from your side and what what your experience was like. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't really have an awful lot of time to think about it, you know, because it really was literally. I, I I I said, look, I just need two days. I need to meet my agents, take a day's worth of meetings, and then I'll jump on the and come out and and right yeah it was really intimidating there's no question about it you know um mm. it's a really very high art show for 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 a for a network show for an nbc show mm. um hannibal 
is is incredibly beautiful it's darkly beautiful it's very dark show and i had to kind of you know binge two seasons of this you know and Mm. uh, you know in between episodes of friends and in between you know auditions (laughs) for the x factor which somehow you know watered it all down for me (laughs) yeah Um, yeah less blood and then you and then you you walk on set and you're you know you've got mads mickelson there um Mm. and you've got Lawrence fishburne and Mm. these are guys who you know the gods in my mind you know um mm. and you're and you're yeah. the director in charge um so yeah it was it was um it was definitely it, it was definitely stressful but you know what um and i found this in my career altogether really is that you know you go back to the work mm. you know when mm. when and the work's the same you know you 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 ask the same questions you know what's the story What's the story we're telling you? Mm. We're trying to get to. What's mm. the story of the, the episode, the film? What's the story of the scene? What is basic stuff that comes from my theatre days? You know, when, when I had a theatre company, I was working in the theatre a lot. You know, you what's mm. the story? What's the character? Who is the character? And what do they want? And when you're when you're walking onto set, that's what an actor wants a director to be holding for them. And, mm. and even if you don't necessarily do the answers yourself, you can provide the question and then together you can find the answers. You know, what I think normally what I say is what, what, what do you want from this scene rather than, well, I think you want this mm. so that you can invite the actor mm. to, to bring, and after all, they've, they've inhabited these characters a lot longer than I have. Yes, and so you you want them to come out with something first, and you it might be very different from what you're thinking, and 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 your thinking your thinking comes from knowing the whole episode, and sometimes actors only really know their storyline. So mm. you might say, oh, so that's that's really interesting. I wonder how that works with this, and so then you start that discussion of, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe we need to just pitch it a little bit more like this or or whatever it is. And then you start that process of really going into character and what the truth of the moment within the scene that you're shooting is to unlock mm. some kind of authenticity. And and how do you how do you then sort of juggle that with what the the showrunners and the execs uh, are kind of feeding into things like because obviously that's a that's a great collaboration and you're kind of going on what the actors already know and you're then interpreting in your own way. How do the showrunners fit into that and and maybe how is that different in America as it is in in the UK? It really varies from show to show, Dom. I mean, it's kind of like um, there are some showrunners who are you know sit on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really want to check up on everything. I didn't I, I really, I have to be honest, you know, I've rarely found that. Um, in the UK, you, as a director, you you see a show through to the to lock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're given an episode to direct, um, it, it, it is changing. You know, I haven't worked in the UK for, since, so for almost 10 years now, so I don't quite know how right. it is um, at the moment, but certainly when I, the last shows I did in the UK, I already begin, began to feel, I mean, there were, there were, there were times when I, as a director needed to talk to the writer and I was feeling like the producers were wanting to chaperone me 
Uh, uh, because that, that American system of the producer being in charge was beginning mm. to creep into here. And of course, it, 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 it's a shame, really. And, I, and it's, the shame, it's a shame in America, too. And I have this conversation a lot with the, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, about the role of the director in America, because actually, you know, ultimately, it, it, it's an exciting collaboration. You know, when a director can work with a producer and a writer, um, and not feel threatened by each other, but to realize that we're all trying to make something phenomenal together. Um, mm. that, that's a really mm. exciting collaboration. But but in America, the writer stroke showrunner is God. Mm. Um, yeah. In, re- in reality. Um, yes. In practice, they don't always unleash their goddom. and the best ones don't need to um but you've got to have the confidence to do what you feel is right so on hannibal for example brian i love brian brian's an ex brian fuller who's the showrunner and the writer and the creator of hannibal and pushing up daisies and american gods and all kinds of other extraordinary Mm. shooting a movie actually in budapest at the moment with my my DOP on yeah. One Piece. Um, ah, great. But he he's very, very particular. On Hannibal, he was very, very specific and very, very particular. And that's wonderful because it's a really clear vision. Um, mm. And there were times when, you know, for example, we had a sequence to shoot and he said, I want it to be like this. And he'd show me a Madonna video <laughs> that David Fincher had shot for 28 million. Yes. And, and like, sure. No pressure. I'll do that. And I had oh, like gosh. three quarters of a day to shoot it in. <laughs> <laughs> and 23 million. Sure we... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just 27 um, million. Yeah. And, and, you know, there were times when, when I would just think, you know, I just don't know if I'm the right director for this. I think, you know, he wants a pop video director and I'm a character man. Um, mm. And, you know, there were times when I just thought, actually, eventually, I just thought, I've just got to do what I think is right because I can't Mm. do what I think somebody else thinks is right. That lies, that way lies madness. Um, And then if, you know, if, as I I found out my wife and I said, look, you know, I might be on the plane home tomorrow um, Hmm. because I've got to this point where I really just have to do what I think is right. Cause I can't, I can't function trying to second guess. Nor nor would Brian or Steve want me to. But that's mm, it was my course. first American show and, and I really wanted to get it right for everybody. But I was getting to a point where I just felt like I wasn't being true to myself. So on the Monday when I went in and I started shooting and and I just thought I felt completely free then. Right. Because I was willing to be fired. Um that's really interesting. I didn't want to be fired. No, of course, yeah, so I, but because you were prepared to you go, I'm prepared to, yeah, 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 I'm prepared to walk away. Well, yeah. no, I come to terms with it, and and I come yeah. to terms with it, and, and it, and it gave me real strength, you know, mm. to just say, okay, and and actually, it's a difficult place to get to. I, I found this on One Piece as well, you know, the pressure of One yes. Piece and the yeah. fan base and the expectation and the massive budgets that we were working to, and and all the rest of it, and you know. I used to read a lot of sports psychology books um, yeah, because I was really interested in 
this is when I was directing EastEnders, actually. I remember in particular watching Goran Ivanisevic. Mm-hmm. Tennis player, in yeah. In the Wimbledon final. Mm-hmm. Um, and how is it that in the gladiatorial pressure of the Wimbledon centre court, yeah. with all those thousands of people watching and all those billions of people watching on television screens, how could he dance like a butterfly mm. and be free and fluid and creative and how was that and so you know that's the same thing for a director how can you when you step onto a set with all the pressures that come with it and you know in in in, in this case you know we had a crew of 800 people or whatever it was you know huge mm. numbers of people and and all the netflix execs and the studio execs and how can you be free mm. and in the moment because fear contracts, you know, yep. and 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 if you go in fearfully, you'll tiptoe around, yeah, yep, your shots and your yes. expression, and that will then can be conveyed to everybody else, mm. and you can't expand. But confidence grows, and confidence expands people, and. Mm. So how do we how do we do that as directors? You know, when yeah. we walk onto a set, knowing mm. we've got a day ahead of us, knowing that we're chewing up a lot of money, that there's a lot of expectations, that you have the responsibility of these great actors that you're working with that you want to honor and and help. Um so I found sports psychology really helpful. It's and- brilliant, like because those those moments about how you reframe things are so important when you are in those sort of high pressure moments. And and it is it is it's find that one seed that sort of gets you through. I mean, what what was it that actually? Um, what was the journey to actually getting onto? It won't be. How, how did it even begin? I guess it was it was started, you know, on my first Netflix show, which was Daredevil, mm. um, a long time ago now. Um, you know, in the days when Netflix was sort of dial up, and you <laughs> know, um, and they really had House of Cards and Daredevil, mm. and. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd done Hannibal for Gaumont International. The producer on that then said, would I like to do their next show, which was Hemlock Grove, which was mm. an Eli Roth thing. Yep. And, and um, that had gone really well, and they loved what I'd done with it. I made it kind of really sexy and raunchy and explicit. Mm. Um, and then she left and, and joined Netflix and put me in front of Marvel. Um, and so then I was presented with this episode, which was called New York's Finest, which was – up on the rooftops of of um of manhattan um and it was it was introducing the punisher really as a kind of mm. character and the first time he spoke and it was a big duologue really between daredevil who was tied up to a chimney chained to a chimney and and the punisher and there was a lot of um anxiety from netflix and marvel really about this episode because it was very talky and and as they said to me, it's very theatrical. Hey. And I think that's partly why they brought me in mm. because, you know, I, I, I'm used to working with actors. I love actors. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, I'm I, through that, I've learned how to draw out a performance from people. Mm. Um, and, you know, you go back to the basics on that, you know, what, what's this? So, so Charlie, Charlie Cox and, and John Bernthal, you know, mm. it's big, long. We had 14, 15, 16 pages of dialogue to shoot between the two of them and you do the work and you say well what what, what are these scenes about really 
um, and you come to your true north yep. of what that is. And, you know, for us boiling it down, it was chart for Charlie. It was, this is, this is about his belief in redemption. Mm. Everybody has the right to redemption. Mm. And the Punisher saying, no, you know, we need revenge. Mm. The baddies are baddens. And why lock them up in the hope that they'll come out good? Why should that happen? It hasn't happened. And through his experience of on the battlefield and coming home and finding his family murdered and all this to it, um, that's where he came from. So this becomes a battle between revenge and redemption and mm. becomes a, an argument, really. Mm. And what we wanted to do is 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 com is constantly make the audience flip flop. So when Charlie is talking, you think, "Yeah, absolutely, redemption. We all need the opportunity to redeem ourselves." And then John will start talking, and it's no, actually, fuck that. that no, yeah, kill him. <laughs> um, I suppose it's a it's a shift of power, isn't it, within the scenes? And and it's something that's sometimes missed in is is creating these power dynamics where you let one actor or one character sort of take take the lead and then the other one persuaded and, and mm. is that back and forth that makes it so fascinating is it, if it's just even all the way through then you've got something that's quite bland i suppose well and and you know charlie and john when we were rehearsing on the first night we were working from five in the afternoon until five o'clock in the morning in the kind of you know the heat of those new york nights um and charlie um and john were at it and we got to the end of that day's pages, which was maybe six, seven pages or whatever it is, you know. And and I remember Charlie turning around to me and saying, can't we just do this whole thing tonight? Huh. And I said, well, yeah, but it's like 14, 15 pages, you know. Yeah. And, they said, and, and Charlie turned to John and said, John, do you know it? And John said, yeah, yeah, I know. Of course they know it. These guys, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. love them. You know, you know they can't possibly learn six pages of a major argument. Mm -hmm. They've learned all of it because they're just so good and they're such pros and they understand that you can't, you can't calibrate a night's work. No, to in, in the makeup chair. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah. And, and Charlie was saying, you know, can we just do it? Because I don't know that I can hit the emotional power and beat at mm. the end of the first night and come into it on the second night in the same level. Got yeah um, yeah so i'm saying well that's tough um mm. but if i simplify my shots so that we're not moving the camera too many times and doing too many lighting setups um and i talk to my dop about it and and my producer and um and i said i think we should go for this you know What's right. the worst that can happen? We don't make it and we break and we come back and we pick up where we went. From. Mm. And um, so we did, we went for it. And this was your first time shooting. Was this the yeah. first? That's amazing. You just got in and, mm. and obviously you had the cast behind you, but to just go, guys, uh, I'm going to redo how you do stuff here. I'm going to shoot this. <laughs> I mean, but the fact was you, you, you know, I love that. I love the fact that you were like, no, this is, this is a really good way to shoot it, right? Do you support me? Rather than, mm. I imagine that's the way you did it rather than demanding. Totally, this, yeah. Is it? yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. But you're, you know, it, it, that's the teamwork. That's the beauty of what we do. That's mm. the collaboration. And you look at them in the eyes and you say, do you think we can do this, guys? You know, mm. and when they look back at you and say, we want to do this. Yeah. We then you just it. say, I'm here. 
I'm completely in for this, you know, mm. and, um, and, and you simplify your shots down because you know that at mm -hmm. the end of the day, the performance is everything. It's not really about angles and all that, you know, mm -hmm. cover it, mm -hmm. get out of the way. Yeah. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let them do it, you know, um, and create the right circumstances for them to be able to kind of do their rise and fall. And, and as you say, you know, the, you know, calibrate the pace changes and, and all the rest of it. And we did it mm. and we did it tonight, you know, um, that's amazing. And then, of course, what, what that enabled, because, in that same episode, we had that big single shot fight down the stairwell. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's become the infamous. You know? yeah. um, and again, you know, that was that was me going to Marvel and Netflix <laughs> to say, <laughs> I I, I want to shoot this in a single shot. Um, and it was a fight between I don't know twenty thirty mm -hmm. stuntmen mm -hmm. uh, that or Charlie falling was doing. off and yeah yeah and, and, and they would say why and I'd say well the story is that the, the Daredevil has got the Punisher he's they've had a fight they've he's knocked him out he's got him on his shoulder mm -hmm. he's walking down the corridor he gets into the lift and all the bikers that the Punisher has kind of you know disturbed the nest of are coming up the stairs and they want to get him. Mm -hmm. This old man comes out of his flat and the daredevil as a character beat knows that the bikers will just brush him aside in order to get to the Punisher. And he as a, as a guy can't do that because that's would be against his values. Yes, of course. So he, he knows if he leaves the Punisher exposed to the bikers, the bikers will try and get him. So he's got to press the button to get the lift to go down. Story-wise, it's really important that Daredevil saves the old man and gets down those stairs as quick as he possibly can so that if the Punisher wakes up, he won't run away. Mm -hmm. So if I then start to break up yep. fight sequence down into loads of different shots yep. and concentrate on you know those fights i lose track of the story you do time wise go you don't know how long it's gone by what's happened it's true you've I'm lost track of it, you know. yeah and you've lost so, the urgency and you've lost the urgency and you've lost your connection to what was the main event which is daredevil and the punisher yes mm. and will he wake up yeah yeah and will he wake up so so that was my pitch to marvel and to to netflix and they dear said marvel, well, dear netflix phone in hand i have a pitch for you yeah. <laughs> yeah and they said well we you know it's hard to argue against your argument mark <laughs> which is how good. the fuck are you gonna do it yeah, uh, that, yeah that's the second question yeah, yeah. and i said do i don't it? know um ah. i'm not sure yet but um if you're agreed to let me try kind of investigating this mm. and starting from that point um we'll find a way wow and yeah. so so phil silvera silvera who is the stunt coordinator stunt, on that yeah. brilliant stunt coordinator you know um you know we looked at should we could we find a drone that went up and down the staircase mm -hmm. we looked at kind of wire cams that yeah. went up and down and uh, and then we looked at ronins and then eventually we settled on a little ronin that we could use that we could used to drive through the corridor fight sequence and then um we could hand it off onto a wire mm -hmm. and let go of it let the wire drop down and then there was another camera operator a little bit further down who could take it off the wire and continue the fight sequence as it went down and Amazing. um 
Amazing. Yeah. Isn't that magic? That th- Those moments for you, right, as a director must be magical, right? When you've rehearsed it and you're just praying it'll all work and the timing of it all, and then you just sit back and watch it and just go, well, look at that. Isn't I got that a rash. You- <laughs> I got a rash. I didn't think you were going to say that. but yeah. <laughs> It was very nerve-wracking. Um, I can imagine. Oh, my gosh. You know, um, we were on our first night we were just literally rehearsing the corridor, yep. the lift, the timing of the lift opening, the timing of him pressing the button, the bikers coming up, getting the Punisher down and coming out. We we hadn't even done any fighting. Right. And we were six hours into the rehearsal and right. we still hadn't shot anything. And it was because there was a a bundle at one particular moment which we couldn't kind of suddenly unwrap and Phil was sort of saying, well, if we if we unwrap this, we're going to ruin the rhythm of the choreography. So, mm. And we reached an ampas, and then by which time Los Angeles had woken up. Uh-oh. And they were looking at the logbook and saying, he hasn't shot anything. Uh-oh. Six hours into the day. Yeah. Alarm bells on. Yeah. Talking about. <laughs> this director. First, <laughs> yeah. first time with anything. us. How's he going to do this? You know? yeah. Yeah. Netflix um, and Marvel are like, uh, dear Mark. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm saying, dear wife. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Get me on a flight. Dear and We're here again. This is our situation once more. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming home. <laughs> and... and, and um, and my first assistant director, bless him, you know, he he was he was fielding all this for me. I didn't know all this was going on. Right, okay. And okay. at one point he very quietly sidled up to me and he said, There's a little bit of um uh interest from Los Angeles, wondering you know, how you're gonna be doing. Uh, and I said, Yeah. And he said, My it might be a good idea for just for us to just shoot something. Mm-hmm. Just shoot anything. Mm-hmm. Just get something on the log. Yeah. Um Please, 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 Mark, please. Just shoot so something. we shot a really bad shot. You know, I don't know what it was. It was a door handle. I don't know what it was, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we shot something and got something on the log, and that kept them quiet, you know. <laughs> right. Then Charlie, in the interim, Charlie, bless him and love him, he he said, look, you know this little blockage that we've got? If I do this, that frees the camera to get around. Mm. And can we just rehearse that and see if we can accommodate that? And we did, and of course it did. Amazing. And and we it, it freed the whole thing up. And then, but you know, the reason why I say I got a rush is you know it was it was what happened is and what happens when you do these big ambitious shots is the crew starts to pull away from you, mm. and they and they start to say just break it up into shots, Mark. Just mm. break it. Shots, yeah, because it's and tricky, saying, it's difficult, yeah. We're, 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 yeah, yeah, and then you see these little raised eyebrows that are going, and people going, you know, um, mm, yeah, first time here, um, okay, it's still him, not yeah. working, it's still not working, mm. it's still not working. And I learned, you know, a lot from that, really. You know, I mean, there were times when I had to just take myself off and sit on my own and just, you know, gather the courage to go back out again and say, no, guys, we need to elevate here, mm. this is what we're doing. Um, yeah, good. And, and it really does take, you, you know, goes back to that thing about saying, why am I here? I'm not here to do the easy route because anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm here to believe in what it is that we've spent time rehearsing, talking about, working on. And that's how I want to direct. Um, so, mm. 
it's a really long way, Dom, sort of asking, answering your question. But <laughs> um, I think you, you, you gain some trust with the teams that you're working yes. with when you, you know, Marvel, at the end of the day, Marvel will get what they want. Mm-hmm. that's how they operate and there's no bad thing i don't say that in any yeah. criticism whatsoever but if you give them what they want i'm not sure you'll work for them again oh. interesting what they really want is for you to surprise them and push yeah. the envelope yeah, yeah, yeah. and really... deliver because because when, when it's one of those yes. moments that like fans go crazy about that's basically what they're mm. desperate for isn't it it's like it's... being memorable and creating so so i guess yeah those those hair-raising moments where you you stick to your guns and you deliver really are, are those sort of forges in fire that that keep you keep you strong for the future projects. Um, mm. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, I mean, going going into One Piece, which is obviously anime. I mean, did you have an experience in the anime world? I mean, what what's what was the the initial thought process on transitioning into that? Because uh, it's quite a big sort of change in in style and um, you know the, the fan base and iconography and everything, even from sort of the Marvel world. Yeah, really, and you know, I I, I thought the Marvel you know world were 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 loyal fans and and then you go into the witcher and of course in the witcher they're even yeah. more mm-hmm. extremely um but then you know not really knowing very much about one piece um right. but having got the call from the studio to say would i be interested to talk about it um uh, and then reading the scripts and really loving the scripts actually uh, which kind of led me to dive deeper into into the manga and then realizing, oh my God, the fan base for this is even, even more loyal than The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Who uh, thought? Yeah. Suddenly think, wow, this is why this is. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's phenomenal. But yeah, but there's something else about this IP that is making the fans so loyal to it. Um, and that was, you know, a wonderful journey to go on for me because I love Matt and Steve's scripts. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the I love the epic in them. Yes, I love the 
world building and the adventure of it all and the big huge action sequences to to land and i loved but what really drew to, drew me to it is those lovely quiet intimate scenes between two characters where you know it all comes down into something really small and really little and really kind mm. um, and that's unusual in those big you know world building shows to get those moments and so i loved all that about it um and then of course you have the kind of the real question about how do you how do you make that transition from 2d into 3d yes um yeah and you know i guess we did it with the marvel work you know with daredevil and luke cage and and the Punisher, and I guess we did it with The Witcher, too, you know, in, in, in a slightly different way because it's a game. But, well, it is a book, too, isn't it? But mm. um, but it, but for this, it's wacky. And Two Dimensions is really just pen and paper, you know. Mm. And you can do whatever you want with a body on pen and paper. Um, yeah. But when you put it into three dimensions you've got to dimensionalize your characters and this was the approach that i took and i think it's the one of the reasons why you know um i worked so well with marvel marvel and 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 i think to answer your question about how i came into this is because my approach in these shows has always been to start with character um not not with the fantasy of it not with the world building of it but is to start with the character of it mm. and to me it's really easy as a director to get overly caught up in the world building of things. It's kind of technical and it's very demanding and it's exciting and it's set building and it's all that. Mm. But an audience doesn't fall in love with a set. It's true. They fall in love with people. Mm. And so given that I was leading this show, I really wanted to turn that around and put the people at the front and center of this yep. world um, and, and invite the audience to care about them and to fall in love with their dilemmas and their, their wants in a sense. Mm. So that felt to me like where truthful to me as a guy who comes from theater and works with actors and performance and where you only have a wide shot, you know, yep. um, and, and also truthful then to the one piece that I began to learn about, which is the reason, you know, actors would come into the auditions and say, this has seen me through some really dark times. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as a director, obviously you take that on board and you think, ah, oh, I really want to honor that. That's mm. that's lovely, you know. Um, what is it? And then, of course, you realize that central to this is is a character, Luffy, who is really quietly inspirational. You know, he just wants you to believe in your dreams mm. and to follow your dreams, and he'll help you. Um, mm. And he wants to find a family because he doesn't have a family. Yeah, and and so he's fiercely loyal, and he asks us to be loyal to our our friendships you know mm, it's lovely so, yeah it's beautiful yeah it is beautiful and the world building as well the whole expanse of it all is massive and pirates and it's you know how is it when you obviously your exec produced as well you know the whole first season when 
you're looking at something like this and you're looking at the whole trying to piece it together and you're directing the first episode, the pilot episode, as they call it. But by now, you know, you're making all eight because obviously you're setting that first stall. That's what the other directors are looking at as well is your like you've done on other shows. You look at what they've done and obviously it can change over time. But technically you're setting that stall out. How do, how do you go about that? Obviously, you're working with the showrunners, you're working with the team. But at the same time, you're still good, like you say, that you did um, on Daredevil, as you're putting your stance in it. Okay, well, I am going to shoot this like this. I am going to maybe do this as a one shot. I am going to come out the barrel. I am going to, whatever it is, you know, fun stuff. What, what is, is this just you creating this and going, this is what I want to do? Talk us through the process of when a, a TV show like this is happening and you're doing the first episode and you're putting down and you're talking to your DP about the shots you want. I mean, it's it's such a big question. Sorry. You know, that, that, no, no, it's a really <laughs> lovely question. It's such an important question because it, it is everything. It's, it, it, you mm. know, and and I feel like you have to grab the space mm. and it's up to you to do so um, as a director. Um, and And the stronger vision that you have for it, the more that space opens up to you. I love that. Um, yeah. So for me... Um, you know, I did a lot of mood boards and storyboards um, and a reference films that we would, you know, that I would want to tonally explain. I did so many creative pictures to Netflix and to the Netflix execs because it's totally right. a really complicated show to get mm. right. Yeah. And, and I didn't want it to be, you know, camp and frivolous and silly and dressed up and all the not the rest of it nor did i want it to be too dark and marvel and the witcher mm. it had to be somewhere a little a little more playful than that and so we had to find that language you know um so i did a lot of mood boards photographs films references um pitches and and i remember there was a moment when i was talking to the netflix team and and i said Look, this is a story about we're better off together than we are alone. Mm -hmm. And I put up The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. and, Perfect. Okay. And they just said, see that. that's what it is. Um, and and then we, we, we kind of ran with that. And so, and then because I had a really clear idea about how I wanted the show to look, and that was partly dictated not dictated to in referenced and influenced by the manga framing <laughs> you know when you look at those frames they're they're wonderful and they're very particular to one piece and so as a director coming in to to try to honor that in order for the fans to feel at home in in the world that we were creating in live action mm -hmm. you look at those frames and you think well how can i do that how can i do it so that you know i have a fist that comes into the foreground of the frame but the body's still at the back there you know what do i what do i do to make that happen or the, mm. or the foot comes in and and then or you or you have a big eye you know and you can do that and you can still see the world and uh, and 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 then in the same breath not wanting to go back into that system of here's the wide shot and i'm showing the audience the world Mm -hmm. because that's me as a filmmaker showing the audience the world and then going into the close-ups to do the dialogue and the reactions and the coverage you know i didn't want to do that um i wanted to be with them i right. wanted to experience and explore and discover the world with them 
So Nicole Whitaker, who's who's my cinematographer, who who, who I'd worked with before, we'd worked with these lovely mini hawk lenses um, that I really loved. They're kind of like an anamorphic lens, and mm-hmm. they've got mm. a beautiful different bokeh to these to these spherical lenses. Yeah, great lenses. Yeah. Beautiful lenses, and and I said, is there a way that we could um, talk to some lens manufacturers to get some special lenses made for us? Wow! So yeah. I love, for example, the lenses on the favorite. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, Logan Jorgen yeah. uh, Lanthimos uh, film. You yeah. know, but they had that kind of bend on them. Which... They, they have too fish eye. They were really fish eyed, weren't they? The yeah, bend, really but... fish eye. Yeah. He yeah. used it brilliantly, and it worked very well in the movie. But there's no way I could sell that to Netflix. Sure, you know? yeah. But yeah. I said, if we could, if we could take that bend out, mm. then what I have is this huge width to yeah, my lens, the wide expanse of it. Yeah, and if you can then give it to me as a close focus lens, mm-hmm. then I can be with my characters and That's... go into these worlds and see the world that they're seeing. Perfect. Mm. Yes, Amazing. and I don't have to go back and shoot my wide shot. Mm-hmm. Because you've got it in the close-ups or the, yeah. Genius. All in the close-ups, you know. And it's one of those things that I I learned from Alfonso Cuaron, you know, when he he was talking at one stage, I went to an event and he was talking, we were talking about lenses Mm. because he worked on the 21 and the 28 mostly. Mm. And he was shooting Harry Potter and he was shooting on the 21 and the 28. That's the only two lenses he used. Wow. Um, And the studio was sort of saying, do you not think we should get some more close-ups, please? <laughs> of course they and are. Said, but, but, but you've got the close-ups. And he said, yeah. well, you're, well, they're pretty wide. And he yeah. said, well, let's just cut some stuff together and, and I'll show you. And, of course, what they were mistaking was actually the lens was close to them, but they had so much width to them. Mm. Yeah. You were seeing so much location that it didn't feel like the traditional close-up that you get. Yes. Yeah. You know, on a 40 mil, 50 mil lens mm. or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've always really enjoyed shooting wide and and just showing showing the world like like you said and it's it is it's, oh. a, it's a common pushback of not getting those sort of traditional like longer telephoto style lenses. But you said it, you had pushback on that. Yeah, what's that? Have you had? Yeah, push- yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's always like oh, if you've got the extreme close up, um, when are we going to get onto the seventy or the eighty five or the hundred mil? You know, yeah, it's 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 a constant thing. I think, of course, because it's that tradition. I think people get scared, don't they? Have you not got the coverage? Have you, especially, mm. you know, produce if they're not knowing fully what's in your mind? It can mm. be frightening, I think, for people. But um, yeah, and it's explaining or showing, like say, let me cut something together and I can show you. But it's again time to do that. But I love that you you thought about that and you're really thinking about the world building, especially with this because it is so colourful and playful and big and interesting and different. You know, the fact. That that he can stretch like he can and the, like you say with the punch and the arm and it's like you want to feel that and you can't do that shooting traditionally so i found that really interesting yeah and and you know so we were working on eight millimeter lenses you know eight mm. millimeter lenses wow. 14 millimeter lenses and mm-hmm. the, so our, our our preferred was the 14 and the 21 we you know we Gosh. rarely went longer than that certainly on my mm. tour so i think the other directors tended to go a little bit longer and, and when we were yeah. doing the flashback sequences Mm-hmm. We, we we went for a slightly longer lens than than the, the width of the kind of the mm. presentation. So jumping into, you've adapted the sort of the visual style, which is fantastic from from the anime. How do you then adapt the characters? Because obviously it is a different medium being sort of live actiony, and um, how do you sort of keep that authenticity where the fans 
you know, you're keeping the heart of the characters, but also adapting it so it makes sense on screen. Is that a difficult thing to translate? Because it's hard to keep people happy. Yeah, and and you know, and you can't you can't direct on that basis. I don't. No, think. Definitely not. No. You, you, you know, because because you you don't know. You know, you know they love the manga, mm. um, but we're not doing the manga. Um, and and it provoked a lot of conversations for us, you know, really early on about saying, why are we doing a live action version of this? You know, right. Um, there's a fantastic manga which is much loved and adored. There's a really successful anime show. So why do a live action? Mm. What, what what is it that unless we can feel genuinely we're adding something to it, then let's not do it. Mm. Or I don't want to do it. And so the question is, what is that? And and I genuinely felt a combination of Matt and Steve's scripts, which had already were already very characterful, connected to a character Luffy who who wants the world to believe in their dreams, mm. who wants the world to believe in themselves, people to believe in themselves, to stand up for what's right. And all those great things. And that for me felt like a a message that the world needs in stories now mm. at the moment, instead of you know these relentlessly dark shows. Nothing against them, but we also need a balance of hope and optimism. Yes. And and the 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 hope that we would then dimensionalize these characters, give them true emotions. And Oda had written their backstories. All right. Okay. We knew a lot about why they are who they are, and all we had to do is kind of, as a director, help the actors constantly build their character from their backstory, um, and then, you know, our hope was that by falling in love with these real people, they'd get more pleasure out of the anime, and they'd bring it into the manga too, and so that would in increase their love of these different forms, mm. not diminish it. And that we would sit al alongside it, so you'd have the manga, the anime, and the live action, and they would all inform each other into a, a greater love of this show. Yes. That, that's what what I felt like. I wanted to go into this production to to. to a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events. 
that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash local. Yeah, and you've definitely done that. And um, what was it in your time, like working with crews, you know, um, from your very early beginnings doing EastEnders and all the wonderful TV that you did in the UK to then going to America? How, how have you overcome challenges or problems or situations that have happened on set or off set? And, and how has that made you better or worse or something you wish you might have done differently or something you handle very well? Great question. Um, I think... I'm really clear that the space in which we work is for the actor. Mm -hmm. And that space is sacred. So my crews need to know that you, when, an, when an actor comes on set, you don't mess around. Yep. You don't talk, you don't whisper, you don't laugh, you don't shuffle about. It's a space. If you know what it's like to get onto a floor, and stand in front of a camera and try to deliver an emotional truth, you would never mess about behind the sets because it's it's very, very scary and revealing. Yes. And what I want as a director is my actors to reveal hmm. and, and to get over that. And so trust is incredibly important. And my job as a director is to – my job with, with, with my first assistant director and all my ADs, actually, is to understand – that this is for them. We are here for them. And right. all the technical things that we might be scratching our heads about how to make it work or the weather or hmm. the green screens or the lights or whatever it is, is secondary hmm. to what is it that we're trying to achieve on the floor. Because in rehearsal, I spend a lot of time building trust. You know, I spend a lot of time for the, I say to the actors, I'm, I'm your parachute. You know, mm. try anything you like mm. and i will make sure you get a soft landing but yes. you have to jump mm. and, and that relationship, you know thank you i mean that that relationship is critical because if they at any moment are anxious that i'm i'm not their parachute that trust is broken mm. and yes. you'll never i love that that's a great answer um so so it's so important to me that everybody understands that because the bottom line is, you know, we can do all the amazing sets and locations and visual effects and lights and special effects and knobs and whistles and bells and all the rest of it that we like. But if we don't have an authentic performance from an actor or a character in the center of your frame, mm -hmm. nobody gives a flying fuck. Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, immediately switch off. It's yeah. so true. It's so true. It doesn't matter so, how so it's beautiful all about the shot is. You know, yeah. and yeah. everything else matters hugely to me, of course. Mm -hmm. But that's all about your pre-production. That's all about bringing in the right heads of department who understand what the vision is, who who can run with your ideas, who are responsible and creative and brilliant in their own right, you know, that yeah. you can trust to get on with it, which you constantly come back together to kind of calibrate. But 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 in the moment when you're filming an actor, it's mm. about them. Yeah. Amazing. Looking back now and certainly moving into either bigger budget TV, if you like, would you have given yourself any advice? You know, now knowing the successful director that you are, would you look back at that time when you, 
you know, you moved over to America and I don't know, or maybe even before that, where you'd look back and go, ah, that would have been interesting. I wish I'd known that or I wish I'd thought differently. Is there any advice there that, that would help our listeners? I think one of the things that I, I say a lot, I, I never went to film school, regretfully, really. Um, mm. I think but you've I, done all right. I think you've done fine. <laughs> I think it's, you don't I need to regret, regret it. that one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Thank <laughs> you. But, you but, could but, still go. I mean, there is that yeah, option. I mean, <laughs> just I to teach. The, I, imagine. I guess the reason I say that is because, you know, I feel like I've had to really learn on the job and mm. each step along the way. And, and the danger is when you're earning a living out of it, the danger is that you become overly cautious because you want yeah. the next job. Uh, yeah. Um, and so what I say to film students or those people who say to me, is it worth going to film school? I say, make as many mistakes as you can at mm. film school. It's the place to re don't try yep. and be Steven Spielberg or yes, David totally. Mitchell or whatever. You know, just try. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, go out to make mistakes, but push yourself, dare to try stuff up because it's the only time in your life where you can really do that um and 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 freely learn from it and fail big mm. yeah and fail big you know it, what i have here mm. sitting in front of me is is the is the samuel beckett quote you know no matter try again fail again fail better yes yeah fail better Fantastic. look at it right in front of us now um, great and 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 i think when you're earning a living doing the job it's really hard to do that mm. but you must and at each time you have to kind of make peace with the fact that you might get fired mm. but equally i know that i don't want to live a life which has been timid or cautious mm. um, you know david fincher said it look you know you know you, you'll get blamed for all the mistakes if something doesn't doesn't work anyway so you mm. may as well get your mistake yeah. you know yeah um, and, it, and it sort of all ties up to what you said earlier about you know being being willing to die i mean it, it sounds mm. dramatic but you you have to be able to like let go and and go all in really if mm. you care about it enough uh, otherwise what, why bother? The, that's the critical thing Dom. if you care about it enough you know pe mm. people misunderstand that sometimes and think you're a bit carefree and you don't give a monkeys mm. that that's not the case it's it's because you care yeah. that you reach a point where you know, I'm I'm willing to be fired for this because I really believe in what is you know, and and particularly mm. if you start if that conversation in your head starts with a belief in character and story. In other words, what I want to do here, I really believe, is the right thing for character to bring out the juices, to bring out the colours of the character and the story. If you're doing it to be cool, so for I always say, at any one time, I would I'm happy for anybody to pause the film to say why did you do that shot and mm. for me to have a story or character answer to that not because it's cool yeah that's yeah. amazing I love style. Yeah. yeah i mean we haven't talked at all about you know independent films movies and no. stuff like that which mm. we which you know which we should do you know but two mm. of which i'm i'm on at the moment particularly with the strike going on you know because mm. there's there, there's television which is funded mm-hmm mm. And 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 with that comes certain pressures, obviously, because they're the guys who've got the purse strings, and they're they're employing you because they've got the money. And so mm -hmm. there's that kind of there's that interesting. We touched on it with um, uh, with 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 Marvel and, and and Netflix and the money side of things, you know, and how much are you beholden to them? Yes. Um, but with an independent film, you know, um, 
there's another whole set of different parameters which you're working mm. with. Really interesting, you know. I suppose the character, the character lessons that you've. Uh, I mean, sometimes we do get this, and um, from you know, from audience, they're saying, "Well, okay, this is a Hollywood thing. How do we relate this to indie?" But I don't think anything you've said about character mm. doesn't apply to indie film. Exactly. That, that's where that's where no, I was. No, no, and, and my big thing is always to say. What's the story? You know, there are thousands of questions you get asked as a director on set. You know these, you know mm -hmm. this guy. And, you know, what, what colour T-shirt should we have? Should should she have a handbag here or not? <laughs> and all that sort of stuff, you know. And and you and, and you always say, what's the story? What's yeah. the story? Where's she going? Yeah. Where's she come from? Do, yeah. You know, what does she need, you know? Um, and, and what's the story will unlock most of the questions that you need to answer in terms of set building, in terms of lighting, everything, you know. And then... The second most important, well, the second question, which is equally important, is where are you heading? What's your true north? What's this about? Mm. What is this really about? I know what the story is, but what's it about? Because yeah. once you can define that, then you can, as a director, you can hold the tiller. And when the winds blow to, to knock that boat off course, mm -hmm. And and sometimes you have to go in different directions. And by the way, over there, suddenly you become interested in that mm. and you've lost all touch with where you're trying to get to if you don't know what your true north is. But you can go over there and be excited by that, interested, and then bring the tiller back in the boat and say, but that's where we're going. And so we need to come back from there onto this, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really, really important question. Yeah, so important and so powerful because, you know, tell me, you can get lost and you, like you say, you're just doing episodes of something. You're like, okay, safe, shot, 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 shot. Done this before, no problem. But yeah, and again, if you're happy doing that, sure. But, it, you know, none of us, three here are and we're like no 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 even then um, let's change the shop let's do this let's move you around let's go let's go creating yeah. and being exciting and telling and, and, the story and it's quite easy to do general drama yes sure yeah it's it's really difficult mm. and really exciting when you're specific yeah mm. oh yeah it's a joy you isn't really it when it know comes what off you're doing, why yeah. you're doing what this scene is about, what this character wants from the other character, what this character is trying to get to. You know, when you really interrogate that and understand it, and you and your actors work together, and 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 it really helps you find that note to deliver to an actor. You know, the mm. note that is that is a verb and not an adjective. Yes, exactly. The action, yeah. the, you know, to act is a is a verb, and mm. you've got to find verbs that are mm. playable notes to an actor yeah uh, doing words that they can actually relate to rather than something that is just useless to them and you're just telling this you're just you know, saying something they say, know oh, could, you, could you just be a little more sexy yeah what does that mean <laughs> how can well, anyone do that yeah. what if they thought they were being sexy yeah exactly that's even you actually undermined them you know? yes mm. yeah yeah um whereas if you could say could you play where well, you're more in love with that person yeah then yeah. They, person. yeah yeah, you know, seduce them. Flirt yeah. with them. You know, whatever yes. it is. Yeah. You know, Make yeah. it active, yeah. Give them mm. something that they can actually play, you know, those basic mm. things. And and that's yeah. what makes drama specific. And that's when it becomes electric, both both as a director on set, when you see mm. a performance unlock because you've given the right note. Yes. And when you see it on the screen, you know that the actor knows what they're doing, why they're there, and why they're they're they're, they're why they're in that scene. Mm. And that's when drama becomes really exciting, really electric, and 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 addictive. I love it. Listen, One Piece is out now. Um, go watch it. 
It's on Netflix. It's fun. It's brilliant. You're going to love it. Yeah. Listen, Mark, thank you brilliant. so much. This has been yeah. an education. This has Very been inspiring. a wonderful episode. Oh, it's great to talk to you guys. You know, it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so lovely what you do. I can't, I can't tell you. It's, it's just so important that, that, that we have these kinds of podcasts that people can kind of t- tie into and to mm. share. You know, you know, I'm more than happy to share whenever. Um, right. Well, yeah. Whatever. It, rel- it relies on people like you coming and chatting as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, thank talking. You. so openly and honestly. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah and our audience will love this and you can go out there and make your film uh, and your tv shows and you, you can be creative just We're as mark has done exactly <laughs> exactly work. you don't get better <laughs> as a carpenter by thinking yep. about making great chairs yeah. you get better by making loads of different chairs and, and whatever you can get your blooming phone get out there and make stuff and learn about <laughs> how it's the only way of getting better absolutely yep. and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's your duty to send the elevator back down we will see you next tuesday as always uh mark jobs thank you yeah, so thank much you, this has been incredible Great pleasure. really really appreciate it yeah brilliant chat fun. Yeah. thank you take care everyone hope you enjoy the show see you next tuesday Bye-bye. bye bye